Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Val Cisco, dropping some knowledge about Anchor. Guys, have you ever wanted to record your own podcast? Don't you want millions and millions of people to listen to what you have to say, whether it's about Zeus, whether it's about sports, whether it's about everything that's going on in the world of quarantine? Guys, what are you waiting for? Download Anchor. Anchor basically is a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Number two, it's free. Guys, it's free. There's not a lot of freebies out there, so grab this. And of course, Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard from different places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and many, many, many more. You can make money off your podcast too with minimum listenership. So right there, guys, like, listen, this is a no-brainer. Download Anchor. It's pretty fantastic. I love it. Hell, thank you, Anchor, for giving me the platform to speak about all the random things that I do. Uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So please, once again, download Anchor. You can download it off the Apple Play Store, the, the Google Store. I don't know if you guys have Blackberries out there still. Uh whatever is out there download it it's freaking phenomenal you guys won't regret it take care ciao i'm so glad you're here i've never felt closer to my mom i'm exactly the same place that she was yeah i am come on girls life is short the world is wide I want to make some memories. My soulmate may actually be carbs. Mine must be wine. We can't tell anybody about the baby yet. I just told Bill. And I told Harry. And I told many, many people. Let's get the party started. Grandma, you weren't invited. That's the best kind of party, little girl. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another great edition of Nothing to Watch, always provided to you by Sideshow Conversations. If you're new to the podcast, I'm your host with the most, Val Cisco, and of course, I created this segment where, um, in this day and age, it's kind of hard to um, keep track of everything that's coming out, whether it's on social media, streaming services, the movies, or TV. Sometimes we all feel like we have nothing to watch when there's plenty of watch out there. Well, I came up with this to kind of nudge you so you can either try something different or maybe stay away from something that you're not too particular fond of, hence nothing to watch. So... Let's get down to the nitty-gritty and get into this week's episode. And this week, we are reviewing the movie that came out last month, July 16th to be exact, 2018. The sequel to the 2008 Mamma Mia. This is Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. And of course... It's a jukebox musical, romantic comedy, film directed and written by Ole Parker, from a story by Parker, Katherine Johnson, and of course, Richard Curtis. 
It's a follow-up to, once again, 2008's Mamma Mia, which in turn is based on a musical of the same name using the music of ABBA. If you don't know who ABBA is, YouTube, they're catchy. Uh, the film features an ensemble cast, including Lily James, who you probably know from the latest Disney's Cinderella live adaptation. Of course, uh, Amanda Seyfried, Christine Baranski, Julie Walters, Pierce Brosnan, Dom- Dominic Cooper, oh, the ever-so-lovely Andy Garcia, Colin Firth, and a slew of others that are in this movie. <laughs> and of course, the plot is set after the events of the first film, and also features flashbacks to 1979, telling the story of Donna Sheridan's arrival to the island, and her first meeting with her daughter's supposedly three fathers, which she kind of doesn't make clear in this movie as toward the last movie, which I do love as well, too. Um, so let's get right into it and how I felt about this movie. Going into this, I was kind of excited because I did love the 2008 movie. Um, the adaptation from the musical was fine to me. It did have its flaws, but the same token, it was fun. And it looked like everybody in that movie was having fun, especially Meryl Streep. I believe uh, she had the most fun. It looked like she just took a break out of acting and just went full-on karaoke. And you definitely see that from her reactions in that film. And everybody's reactions in that film. Hell, who doesn't want to be part of a musical sometimes? You just want to wake up and start singing. I don't know. I might be in the minority there. But, hell, if I could wake up in a musical, I'd do it every day. But, alas, this movie did come out. And, in my opinion, I really didn't think a sequel needed to happen. I felt like the 2008 adaptation was fun. It was fine. It served its purpose. And honestly, it should be a cult classic. Kind of goes in there with like Rocky Horror Show um, and things of that nature, Little Shop of Horrors. You know, it's a fun movie that we could always look back on. This right here, you know, it, it did catch my interest, especially my daughter's interest now, who's seen the original movie, who's seen the play, and was excited to see this as well, too, a continuation. Um, from what I was looking at, in the previews, I didn't see a lot of previews, but, you know, the uh, mostly ensemble was back from what I was looking at. And, of course, the introduction of Cher in this movie, uh, from what I saw in the preview, I was like, okay, I might be all on board now. We're having some grandmother action here. We're having some Cher, Meryl Streep singing. We are going to have some comedy. You know, Mer- uh, you know, looking at Cher from her work from, like, 1980 and 1990 in her movies, she does, you know, throw a couple of solid one-liners in her movies. And, you know, her voice is second to none. So I was like, all right, I might be all on board. I have my reservations because it's a sequel, but rock and roll. Then I found out that, hey, we're going to kind of go into the past and see um, Donna at a young age. You know, we're going to see the Dynamos all together for the first time, you know, in their glory in the heyday, like they're talking about in the Mamma Mia classic. So I was excited about that. You know, we're going to go into like that glam era of rock and roll music. And I was like, okay. I'm on board for that. We're going to see some old versions of Harry Headbanger and um, Sam and so on and so forth. So I was like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to have some fun now. So we get into the theater and um, I'm getting sort of excited. But uh, like I said, I tried my best to stay away from spoilers and previews as much as much as I can because I wanted to be surprised and open with this movie. And it opens up with Sophie, of course, played by... 
Amanda Seyfried, and it just opens up with her singing, and you know, I uh, in her movies, I'm not the mo- the, the 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 best fan of her voice. I mean, I support it 100% when it comes to these movies, but it's not what I wanted to hear when I first saw this movie. I just wanted to be captivated, and and, and it started off on a on a sad note. You know, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. You know, for all the people that have not seen this movie yet, but you know, I threw that down there. About a five, four, three, two, one. We're gonna get into it. Meryl Streep, Donna is dead, and I'm like, whoa, what the hell? I, I didn't expect that whatsoever. People did, then rock and roll. You know, that more power to you. But I didn't expect that whatsoever. I didn't even turn to my daughter. I was like, what the hell is this? And we find out that she's died. We we're not too sure what happened as well too. The movie's very vague on that, which it should be as well too. Uh, we don't want to hear that she died horribly or like through an accident or through some kind of disease. You know, just let that be. And it's supposed to be five years after the the original Mamma Mia. So we definitely see that, of course. Um, some of the cast is there, like I was saying before, we're seeing Sophie there singing, taking charge of the hotel, basically, um, she's back from, I guess, traveling with Skye, played by Dominic Cooper, uh, we see that her and Skye are separated in a way where he's working in New York, and she's working on the hotel to kind of give it a grand opening, you know, the way her mother wanted to, and live out her dream for a mom, and they're having miscommunication on what they want to do with their lives, you know, one person wants to stay, one person wants to go, no one's really sure what's happening, so you get that kind of depressing dynamic of, you know, Donna's dead, Sophie's, you know, breaking up with Sky. it's like, hmm, this is a Debbie Downer, but we are introduced to a new person in the cast, um, Fernando Cienfuegos, <laughs> 100 Flames, if you will, played by Andy Garcia, who is supposed to be the manager of the hotel that she hired, and that was pretty cool to have that introduction. Um, Andy Garcia, great, great, brought a little bit of pizzazz to this movie, uh, but still I was feeling kind of down because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, this is Mamma Mia, I kind of wanted to see Meryl Streep have some fun again and do her thing, and it was just more of a... Uh, them getting by without Donna. Um, pretty, pretty sad to start off that movie, if I do say the show myself. And it kind of carries on. We see Sam as well, too, uh, played by Pierce Brosnan, reprising his role. And, you know, basically we see they gave Donna a good five years of their life together, you know, having that that true love, that true romance, and it just withers away. But Sam still stood on the island with Sophie, um, to create that hotel to finish Donna's dream. So that was cool. Um, at this point, too, my daughter realizes that people do not age well in this movie whatsoever. <laughs> uh, Pierce Brosnan, you know, he's a show of what he looked like back in uh, his James Bond days. And not to say he's bad looking whatsoever, but definitely the age does show tremendously in this movie. Hell, Sophie as well, too, looks a little bit older. Everybody looks a tad bit older in this movie, in my opinion. To my daughter, she was just like, whoa, what's going on here? But me, myself, I saw, you know, some some change, some grace, some more grace than usual. Um... So we're having this grand opening for the hotel, and Sophie's just very pressured on trying to make this, you know, the best hotel in, uh, in the Greece experience, in the Greece islands, and, 
you know, she's having some big wigs come by to see if she can, they can sponsor this hotel as well, too. Um, we get the introduction, of course, of um, Julie Walters, again, play, um, reprising her role as Rosie. Uh, and um, Christine Bronski playing Tanya again. And they bring something to this film that I needed. Because without Meryl Streep, I felt like that <sighs> something was missing. But these two ladies really saved it for me. Um, one thing I could say about this movie before I go beat by beat. To me, this movie, half and half was miss missing a soul. Straight up, it was missing a soul. It, it had a heartbeat, but it was missing a soul entirely. Um, especially without Meryl there, without that Donna chemistry with her daughter. Um, by the end of the movie, it gets it again, or at least it, it formulates a soul, but... It's surviving with heartbeats right now, and especially with Rosie and Tanya, they are the heartbeats of this movie. And they, you know, along with Sam, do um, give you these flashbacks of Donna as they're all paying, you know, honoring Donna's memory with the hotel and pictures and photographs. We get to get some flashbacks of Lily Jane playing young Donna. And this was a breath of fresh air as well, too. I did not know what I wanted from this movie because... Uh, for one, I, I loved the whole 70s slash 80s vibe that was going on, you know, with young Donna going crazy and, you know, at her graduation of college, just pulling on some Steve Tyler tights on and just singing, um, talking about kissing the teacher and all that good stuff. And, you know, you get the dynamos doing the same thing, going buck wild. You know, that was cool. You know, so I'm not sure if I wanted this right here, a prequel. Or, uh, or I wanted the sequel with Cher. And uh, by this time, it's already like 20 minutes into the movie, so we were really depressed. We got into this segment here where we saw young Donna making her mind that she does not, making up her mind that she does not want to go back with her family or be a businesswoman. She just wants to go out in the world and explore. And you see her, her going out there meeting young Harry, who's the first person you see. Um... And that was a little weird to me. Um, Colin Firth's character was such a great character in the first movie. And he is in this movie as well, too. But I don't know. I just don't feel it like I felt in the last movie. And as we know from the original film, you know, Harry Headbanger kind of turns, you know, out to be gay in that movie. And we don't really get that in this, in this movie either. I mean... I, of course, is a big reveal in the last movie, I guess. But in this movie, you would figure like he's like experimenting, or at least like uh, in the stage of being curious of what he really wants. And you know, especially in that first movie, you see like the little kind of flashbacks of how Harry and Sam and Bill look. You know, they look all different. I was expecting some punk rock Harry, and I didn't get that. I got this. CW version of Harry, you know, Hugh Skinner is not a bad actor by any chance and by any shot, but I felt that it's not what I want. I want like some punk rock drag out rocker, and here's this guy who looks like he was part of One Direction. <laughs> and no offense to One Direction fans out there, but dude, it looked like he popped out of there. He looked like Harry Styles more than Harry Headbanger, and I it was more of a desperation. Uh, ploy with his character. He was like, hey, Donna, I just met you, and, you know, you're in Europe, and, you know, I'm British, and we should get together, and she's like, dude, you're creepy, no, and he's like, well, if I tell you, you know, I never had sex before, and I know you're leaving tomorrow, but can you, like, take my virginity? I was like, what the fuck is this? 
like my man Harry Headbanger sounds like Harry Desperate right now. And, you know, it was a little weird. It was just, uh, I don't know, the character I saw in my head was totally different than what they gave you in this movie. And, of course, you get that, I guess, that one night of bliss with Donna and Harry, reluctantly. Um, and Donna moves on to go to Greece. That's her focal point. She wants to go to Greece. Uh, of course, you see in the background that Harry's smitten already. He wants to follow Donna everywhere she goes now. Because, of course, that was, her, that was his first, first time ever doing anything with a female. So, um, yeah, we get Donna trying to get to Greece. And, it's, like I said, it's going back and forth. Um, in the future again with um, um, Sophie trying to get to a hotel to look perfect. Um, she's sending out invitations. She's going to send an invitation out to her grandmother, uh, who we find out never ever shows up to any formals whatsoever. She never supported her mom, so why would she support her granddaughter? So she rips up that letter, and we find out that she's uh, in Vegas. She says it'll be it'll take a miracle to take her out of Vegas, which I thought was funny too because, you know, share Vegas, haha. <laughs> Um, we go back into the past again. I think the past is where the fun was in this movie, where, you know, Donna meets Bill, um, trying to get to the island, and he has, you know, of course, he's, he's all sweeted up, this young, sweet guy, who was a great representation of Bill, just a sailor, suave, you know, trying to pull all the moves he could, and, uh, their chemistry was pretty awesome. You get to see um, Sam on the island as well, too, who helps uh, Donna out rescue a horse at one point, and their chemistry blossoms. And you get to see the different dynamics between Bill and Sam, and even Harry at one point as well, too, of who Donna really wanted to pledge her allegiance to. So that was fun to see. Along with that, you get to see some musical numbers with a, with a young Donna. Of course, Lee James did a great role. She looked like she memorized all the characteristics from Merle's character from the first movie. Whether it be random laughs and giggles and chuckles throughout a song, whether it be just random squeaks or random yells, just being crazy and spontaneous as that character should be, she nailed it. Like, I love young Donna in this movie. I love the young Dynamos in this movie as well, too. Uh, they were fantastic. Young Rosie, Alexa Davis, um, and of course... Uh, young Tanya was played by Jessica Wynn, you know, they just added some spice into that, into that world back in the 70s of just, you know, everything being chaotic, everything being about love, everything being about um, spontaneous actions, you know, just going out there off a whim and just letting the world take care of itself. And maybe, to some point of view, we need that in this day and age, with everything so structured now, and by the book, maybe we need a little bit more carefree in our lives. Um, but then, of course, we get the dilemma of being too carefree, and we see that Donna gets pregnant, chases Sam away, because we, of course, in the first movie, we find out that he was engaged to someone, and we just see Donna, a young Donna, just love the island that she's on so much that she doesn't want to go, she doesn't want to get rid of that baby, she wants to stay there, take care of that baby, take care of that island, and just live her life by herself, and just pushing out everybody the way, that way she can just take care of her life and her baby. So that was cool. You know, all the, everything in the past was just phenomenal. Um, the future, you know, going back into 2018, just, I, I don't know. There were some moments that were fun. It's just, like I said, the soul was missing. There were some songs that just didn't have that soul. It just didn't have that 
that I just want to jump and start singing with you. They were very flat. It's like the effort wasn't there for most of these ABBA songs. And of course, a lot of these ABBA songs were rehashed from the first movie. So I was like, all right, you would have think maybe one or two would have been fine just to have that nostalgia playback from the first movie and just use some different ABBA songs. But no, we got maybe about three or four different ABBA songs. The rest were just rehashed again, which I don't mind, but it just didn't have the same effect with me whatsoever. Um, we'll leave the rest of the movie out there. Just a couple of notes that I, I did love about this movie. Um, like I said, Lily James, her chemistry with a young Sam was fantastic. Um, her chemistry with a young Bill, Josh Dillon, fantastic. I, I thought I could, I could watch a movie about those characters and that back and forth love chemistry was just fantastic. Um, Lily James on, in Greece and in, in that island and just uh, immersing herself in that world and just uh, living every moment, different characters she meets and how she, she her, her charisma just shines with everyone else. It just brings a light to anybody's dark day in that, in that movie, in that time frame as well too. So um, those were like fantastic parts. Um, some not so fantastic parts, of course, Meryl Streep, you know, uh, spoiler alert again, she's not in this movie until the very end. And it's a heartbreaking scene, and that's where the soul kind of just gets there. It meets with the heart, and your heart's crushed. When you see that, you know, you know Donna um, meets Sophie again, and basically um, the trade-off from one mother to one expecting mother, mother as well, too, is is happening and you get that emotional scene of passing the torch so that was fun um especially in the church that they go to in the first movie where donna gets married um you see that donna in the past baptizes her sophie in that church and sophie's baptizing her child as well too we find out that she gets pregnant by sky and you know it's on the same island she's never felt so closer to her mother and all that good stuff a very emotional scene on that part Another spoiler that I didn't like so much, Cher was like literally the last 10 minutes of the movie. Maybe last, what, 8 minutes. I'm not going to lie, if we weren't going to get Meryl Streep in this movie, if we weren't going to get, you know, adult Donna, singer Hardaway being the dancing queen as she should, I thought it was going to replace with Cher. And, you know, I thought, you know... Mama was going to, you know, grandmama was going to take it home and drop some some lyrical styles on everybody. But that didn't happen whatsoever, too. Maybe if we had Cher in the beginning of the movie or at least some parts of the movie, it would have just woken the movie up. It would have brought it from like a 6 to a 10, in my opinion, because those last 10 minutes of Cher acting and singing are fantastic. Fantastic, her being so smug and vain, but also being sincere to see Sophie um, and what she's accomplished and see that her daughter died, but what did she die for? This island, this hotel, this dream that she had as a strong, independent woman. You know, seeing, you know, her mother's reaction, seeing Cher's reaction to that was fantastic. Her duet with Andy Garcia was fantastic. And I, I don't care what anybody says, you know, age aside, Cher knows how to get down, all right? Andy Garcia knows how to get down. They may have been at walking at the speed of sloth in this movie. Both of them were more Cher than anything. But at the same time, it was fantastic. It was awesome. It made 
you know, the hour and plus minutes worth waiting to see what Cher did in this movie. If anything, it made me want to see a Mamma Mia with Cher more in it. So, I don't know. Um, it was a very di- di- uh, divisive movie for me. I enjoyed it for the most part, but I felt like a lot was missing. Uh, definitely the first one was 10 times better, in my opinion. You know, the stage production was 10 times better. But I think the audience liked it as well, too, and the critics, too. You know, critics and audience scores. So, so far, I'm looking at, you know, 73 out of 10 stars, about 7.5 out of 10 stars, 7 points out of 10 stars on some uh, sites that I'm looking at, IMDb, so on and so forth, Rotten Tomatoes, is getting decent reviews. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's because it's the ensemble cast, that the comedy was there, or maybe Lily James was really killing it. But, um, yeah, it really did make me go back and forth. But I recommend this movie to anybody who loves... You know, Mamma Mia, who loves that that world that that's created. Anybody who loves Cher or the musicals in general and just wants to, you know, put their mind to the side and start singing, this is a decent movie to watch. Um, I would definitely say watch the first one from 2018 is it's superior. The stage performance is better as well, too. Um, but this was a nice little sidebar to kind of get to. Um, I really do not want a third movie. I would not see it. Okay, I probably would see a third movie, but there there, there shouldn't be one whatsoever. Um, Unless it's going to focus on Cher and what she's been doing in Vegas, then you got me all there. Uh, Especially if you put a Rosie and Tanya, old Rosie and Tanya in that, definitely got me there as well too. But if they were to come out for a third movie just to make it a trilogy, uh, I I think it would be as detriment. Anyway, guys... um, for my review, for my rating, I give it a, I don't know, a mid-card, right in the middle. You know, it's something to taste, it's something to, to take a bite of, something to take a sneak peek at, you know. But definitely it's not something that you should go out your way to watch in the movie theater. But so much other movies out there these days. Um, this should be a movie that, if you really have nothing to watch, then spend your hard-earned cash on it. Um, anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed this uh, with my review, I've been wanting to do this for a while because I did love Mamma Mia. People who know me love know that I love musicals. And before I start tripping over my sentences even more, I'm going to skedaddle out of here. Uh, for Sideshow Conversations, you can always listen to it on iTunes, uh, Anchor, and of course, Podcast Republic at Sideshow Conversations. You can see all the segments, whether it's nothing to watch, whether it's Dragon's Den, whether it's Pop 5, side, side conversations. Hell, Nothing to Play is coming up pretty soon as well, too. Um, rate, subscribe, review. Uh, Sideshow Conversations is on Instagram at Sideshow Conversations. And, of course, it's on Facebook as well, too. It's a group page at Sideshow Conversations where we talk about everything in pop culture. Guys, I am out of here. Val Cisco, Twitter at Val Cisco. Val Cisco on Instagram at Val Cisco as well too. You guys have a great night. Take care. Here we go again. <laughs>